Welcome back to the Jay and Kale show for the 444th time. I feel like I'm saying this, but Jay, I'm finally <laughs> finally done with school. Finally got finals wrapped up last week. Had a week of vacation. That felt pretty good, but what's That's going on? Not a lot. That's got to be a little different for you. The word vacation, I feel like, doesn't come around very often with all that schoolwork. I remember that like it was yesterday. It's crazy. and It's a lot of busy work for the last two weeks getting projects and stuff in but like you said i'm sure it's a weight lifted off your shoulders and to top it all off we, we finally get to get back on the air so. yeah if anybody was wondering that's why there wasn't an episode last week is because i had finals so that's all out of the way that's done at least until august when I, i've only got three classes left so and they're all internship classes so i'll be working for the most part so episodes here on out um got a lot of stuff on the slate jay i'm We'll preview it now. We got uh, Austin Berkland. Uh, he is the producer of the Jeremy Warner Show for WSJK or Stevie J Broadcasting here in Urbana. He's a former WPXN employee, graduate of PBL High School. We got a lot of Illini stuff to talk about, mainly focus on Illini basketball and some of the awards that uh, were pushed out. Uh, we're going to talk some NBA, the return of live sports, and then we'll get into some MLB stuff with Austin Berkland. But, Jay, I got to ask you first. I'm probably going to put you on the spot here, and I'm sorry if I am. No, you're good. You're, I heard you had your first round of golf league this evening, and just kind of wanted to hear how you, shot, how you shot. So, uh, as it usually is, every year golf league sneaks up on you. You talk about how you're going to golf and get ready to go, and you don't. So, today I uh, brought the clubs out for about the first time since uh, <laughs> May last year. So, we broke 50, so that's good. I'll take my 48. That short game needs some work. But uh, other than that, I'm going to say not bad for a mid-50s windy day. We had a couple good partners, uh, a guy named Andy Gooden and, and Maury. It, it was a lot of fun. It always is. It's uh, it's always good to play good, but it's uh, even better to have some good company, especially the situation we got going. So. Yeah, and that's one thing you know I was going to bring up is I like watching golf. I've liked watching it. I'm not very good at it. I'm lucky if I can stay under 75. I'm I'm good with that. Um, I've never been the best golfer, but like you said, it's nice to get outside and get some, spend some time with some people and just not try to think about everything that's going on. And that that leads me into thinking about something with the PGA. I don't understand why they're not playing golf right now. You know, you, t- you talk social distancing, you take your caddy out of the equation, caddy throws you a club. I don't, I mean, it'd be something that they, maybe they should look into. Yeah, for sure. And you and I kind of talk about it every now and then off air. We joke. It's like we have all the social distancing rules and, and uh, you're six feet apart and stuff like that. And you got hundreds of people that can walk into a Walmart every day and get groceries, but you can't have, a field of players play 18 holes with their caddy. I mean, I understand if you're not going to do fans, but there's, in my eyes, there's no reason why those guys shouldn't be playing golf. I don't understand it, but once again, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to try to get involved in all of that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's kick it off, as always. Uh, Jay, we got some a lot of stuff to break down here. Uh, let's get, start with Illini basketball. I was going to send you this video the other day, but I, I, I never got around to it, and I should have because it probably would have helped your your uh, knowledge of where I'm going to go with this just a little bit. Uh, so that's on me. But uh, Adam Miller, Andre Curbelo, and Coleman Hawkins are now officially all Illini since we've recorded last. Um, man, this class of 2020 is looking real good. That's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a big-time pick-me-up, it seems like. a feels really good being a Illini basketball fan, obviously, NCAA basketball fans in their entirety, you know, with the tournament getting cut off and conference tournaments not going on and us uh, having a pretty good chance to, you know, possibly make a run with the momentum that we had coming out of Champaign with our, with our guys. But that just kind of leads into seeing something like this with these three guys that are uh, talking about their commitment to our school and how they're excited about coming and being a part of this program. It, it it kind of finally, I feel like, 
brought me out of a hole a little bit, you know, it's finally like getting excited to talk about Illini basketball again, just, just hopeful for the future. I've, I've got a hot take. Um, Adam Miller is obviously going to be kind of more of the fan favorite. He's going to have to kind of steal that from Georgie. But, you know, Io was the guy last year that we, we leaned on, and he's just got that clutch gene. And from what I heard and read today, um, it sounds like he's going to be heading straight to the NBA. You know, that's his main focus. And, and like I was thinking, Io doesn't owe us as Illini fans outside of media, but as fans, Io doesn't owe us anything. Um, he's done – his job, he came in here with, with the with the you know the hashtag unfinished business last year, and and he upheld that. I mean, he got us from the bottom of the Big Ten to the top of the Big Ten from from twenty one losses to twenty one wins. Wins. So that guy doesn't owe us anything whatsoever. But Adam Miller is going to be the kind of the main like IO style character for next season. Here's the hot take. I'm going to really, really enjoy watching Andre Curbelo play, and I think he might have a better freshman season. Just yeah, for the... I mean, I would, I would completely agree with a hot take like that because a guy like Andre Curbelo, who obviously has had some attention media-wise, he's a good player. We know that. We've seen film, highlights, stuff like that. Adam Miller's expectations are very, very high. While I'm not saying Curbelo's aren't, you know, I feel like a guy like that, agreeing with you, is in a better situation to have a breakout year because he knows that at the end of the day, there is not as much riding on his shoulders as a guy who talks about being a one and done, you know what I'm saying? Right. So a guy like him can kind of, you know, obviously produce and play well, but kind of do so out of the spotlight, you know, not have to worry about as, as much criticism as a guy like Miller might face. So I'm with you. I agree 100%. Andre Curbelo is a pass-first point guard. You don't see that very often. And, and when you look in terms of the NBA, right, that's everybody's ultimate goal. You want to go pro, whether that be college football, you want to take it to the NFL, college baseball, MLB, and you get it, so on and so forth. Um, when I look at Curbelo, I immediately think of guys like Rajon Rondo. That's what I think of. Just the ability for him to see the floor, see plays happening five or six steps ahead of everybody else. And that pick and pop game or pick and roll game or the lobs, if Kofi comes back with Curbelo and Kofi, that's that's going to be really fun to watch and tough to defend. Oh, it's going to be huge because, like you said, his court vision and things like that and being able to be in game situations and feel certain things as a player, that floor general type player is kind of going away. And like you talked about Rajon Rondo and his success that he had being a player like that, I mean, that just opens doors that I feel like he might not even be aware of yet. You know, that's something that's not really teachable. You can teach a kid to – you know, do this. You can have them do drills to run faster or, or jump higher or have a better jump shot. I mean, you can't teach a certain feel for the game that it seems like Curbelo is going to bring to the squad. And then you move on to Coleman Hawkins. And, you know, Adam Miller's going to be the guy that, you know, he, he's going to drop. He's, he's going to get his 20. And rightfully so. I'm glad we have that. You know, we, we, that killer mentality that Io has. Just see how well it translates coming out of, uh, of high school to the Big Ten level. Because we both know Underwood likes to play freshman. He doesn't like to use red shirts. Uh, but Coleman Hawkins is a guy, especially with losing uh, Griff, he can really shoot from the outside, and I don't know if anybody's had a chance to see any tapes of him. He's been kind of quiet because of Curbelo and Miller kind of leading the way for the class. But if you get a chance to watch any of his AAU highlights, just just look up Coleman Hawkins on YouTube and just watch his just smooth, natural release. Everything about Coleman Hawkins is is composed, and he's deadly from back there. And he's you know he looks like Kevin Durant with the size and the length and the athletic ability. He's just a pure four that can play the three. That's good, nice right, to have. Absolutely, and we've talked about that too as far as a guy like Curbelo mixed in with a, you know, more than likely prolific scorer like Miller <laughs> opens the door for guys to kind of forget about somebody like him, you know, coming out like we talk about a pick and pop or a certain part in the half-court offense where he finds himself out at the three-point line you got guys sagging back to save drives and things like this with Kofi, and all of a sudden you throw a guy who can shoot into the mix. That becomes a matchup problem for a lot of squads. Right. But this class of 2020 is really, um, you know, kind of really cemented for me. And I know a lot, a lot of other Illini fans like, hey, we're back. 
we're here. Uh, Underwood's getting the wheels in motion. Illinois is back on the national map, and it's just it's just fun to finally be able to say, hey, one of the things that you and I like so much and love talking about is Illini basketball. We can finally sit here and do it without being so Absolutely, 100%. Like you said, back on the map is something that we haven't experienced as a fan base for, I mean, what? 15 I mean, years? At, at, yeah, at the highest level that we've been at in, in uh, past seasons, yeah, 05. So, I mean, to finally be a force to be reckoned with again and, and you know, as terrible as it sounds, get excited about <laughs> not only the season and, and games from night to night, but I'm with you. I like the behind the scenes thing that it kind of isn't as popular to the, you know, non-sport fanatics. Obviously you have Illini fans out there, but you don't have a ton that are in depth as much as yourself or Austin Berkland. You get to look at all these kids and watch highlights in high school who are talking about coming to play in Champaign and you're like, all wow. right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was the, just, wow. Was the first thing I see, you know, it's it, right. when you get up into these AAU teams, these are the elite of the elite and it's just a different animal up there. It's it's crazy, um, but moving on, uh, the University of Illinois released a lot of rewards today. Um, it's award day, and Kofi won Male Freshman of the Year. Kind of hard to disagree with that. I mean, look what he did. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, once again, I keep going back to stuff that we've kind of referenced throughout our time here on air. <laughs> this is a kid who had. He came from nothing. Yep. Like from really Kingston, Jamaica. Know, yeah, he really didn't even know anything about, you know, I know he knew about basketball as a person, but, I mean, understanding the game and and things like that, I mean, you kind of almost compare it to, uh, you know, like your other uh, superstar basketball players you hear about that didn't play a ton when they were younger. Like right. Russell Westbrook was a high school start for basketball. Uh, who was it? Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan, example. yep. Hall of Fame basketball player. Didn't start until later in his adolescent life. It's like, do we have another one of those on our hands? And are we getting to watch something like that blossom on, on our on our team? You know, it's, it's fun to watch. And if he does get drafted and Io gets drafted, you know, let's just stick with that scenario that they're not coming back. That's two guys in the league right now that are from, hey, Illinois, we're from Illinois. Go there. You know, we, we got – we got to this level because Illinois helped us get to this next level. So, I mean, Kofi, like you were saying, like we've talked about it at nauseum, he's in his third – or this was his third year of organized basketball, and his third season was at the Big Ten level, and he performed winning freshman of the week for, what, like five or six straight weeks there to open the season, and then winning Big Ten freshman of the year, Fox uh, Hoops – or Fox College Hoops uh, freshman of the year. I mean, he was just racking up awards left and right. Moving on, Io won the – Io DeSumo won the Dyke Edelman Male Athlete of the Year on campus. And I got a fun statistic for you here before we break this down. Um, he was the first basketball player since Darren Williams in 05 to win the uh, Dyke Edelman Male Athlete of the Year. Uh, Jacqueline Quaid, volleyball, uh, she won Female Dyke Edelman Athlete of the Year. And if you watch any volleyball, you watch her play, I completely understand why she's an absolute animal um, on on the volleyball court. But outside of Darren Williams, Jay, the last time that a basketball player won it was 1990 in Kendall Gill, if you can believe that. So we go from 1990 Kendall Gill. 05 D. Will. 05 Darren Williams to 20 Io. Yep. That's a uh, that's a pretty elite pair of basketball players I'm not even saying Illini players I'm saying the game of basketball in general that Io gets thrown into yeah. which kind of leads me to a little bit of a off track thing here like you talk about Io's name in the same group as those two and we have a potential undrafted free agent scenario you know yes. what I'm saying it's a long shot I really think somebody is going to take him but just as a side note like if somebody doesn't could you imagine throwing a stat at somebody like a Scott Van Pelt or something like this guy's been in the same conversation as two guys that had pretty good careers in professional basketball and he's an undrafted free agent. If you know there's the conversation of most famous Illini basketball player of all time I throw Io up in there but at the same time D will hit the shot of all shots in that Arizona game so oh. I mean three I legends. 
I have watched that game multiple times during our quarantine session. I have to. <laughs> it gives me goosebumps every time. It's like, you know, it's like you have that one song that you throw on repeat for however many weeks because you just hear it and you're like, oh, man. The, it's the uh, same thing with that game. I love it. You know, what I think I would, 05, I would have been nine. So you'd have been, what, almost, well, we were just on the yeah, cusp. Yeah, nine, ish we were on the cusp of really getting into the sports business, right? I mean, that's about the time when you start really getting into it. You play them your whole life, but you remember and things like that. And it's amazing now that I'm in my early 20s to actually sit back and watch that game buzzer to buzzer, how all that played out. Could you imagine being in the situation that we're in now at that time period? <laughs> no, dude. Dude. Oh. <laughs> I don't even want to think crazy. about that. I, don't, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even want to begin. But uh, Iowa winning male athlete of the year. I think there's only one other guy that you could have even considered giving it to, and that could have been Jake Hansen on the football squad linebacker. Mm -hmm. I, but even then, I think it still belongs to Io just for what he did. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like you said, there's a certain aspect of Io's you know, being crowned as that male athlete that doesn't have to do with sports in its entirety. I mean, this is a kid who took a shot, you know, he's like, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to go to Champaign. And my mindset is, is I'm going to bring that victorious, whatever feeling you want to call it back to Champaign. And, you know, I want to be the guy that does that. I mean, he dedicated his entire, you know, collegiate career to that obviously being in champagne so there's a little bit of that unspoken thing i feel like that uh io just had a little bit of the upper edge sure. then, we, then we almost watched it crumble right underneath his feet in that michigan state game which by the way i had zero doubts until he slipped that we were going to win that game oh yeah i mean what do we talk about this is a guy who is uh basically embodied the ice in the veins twitter meme i mean <laughs> he basically brought it back i mean basketball fans sports fans in general are scrolling through their twitter feed and they're watching videos of this guy on every platform so i mean it it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to not see him out there honestly the first game yeah you know you're happy for him but at the same time you're like man it'd be nice just, to have him back yeah, it's tough to play the what if game but we're sticking on the basketball topic and I don't know how much you've been paying attention to your phone. If you're like me, not much because there's nothing going on. Although this MLB stuff we're going to talk about with our guest, Austin Berkland, that stuff's that, that there has me kind of intrigued right now, but the ESPN, their so-called experts, I'm going to leave it at that. No slander intended. Um, release the top 74 players of all time. I've got the top 10 and we're, we're probably going to agree on, one of them, I think. Um, <laughs> let's start at number 10, and that's Shaquille O'Neal, the diesel Superman. I think 10 for him is perfect um, because number nine, and I think I don't agree with number nine at all, but sh 10 belonging to Shaq is okay with me. I, I just – it fits. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've, you know, seen Shaq and Shaq highlights over the years, and actually, you know, we actually got to see a little bit of him play, you know, as far as like you've talked about being a kid who can remember things sports-wise. We actually got to see him play a little bit. Right. He obviously was a guy who was a – I mean, he was a force to be regular with. He's a monster. He still is. He was the same way when he played basketball. But I agree with 10. You know, there's some certain things in there that I feel like made him better. You know, obviously, like being on a guy's team like Kobe Bryant. I mean <laughs> – I knew you were going to – I could – I could not – I didn't know how long it was going to take you. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not saying the guy shouldn't be on the top ten, but, I mean, if he don't play with Kobe, he might be like 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. You know what I'm saying? Like, I agree with ten. I'm with you. But they I, could, I mean, all love to 2-4, you know, RIP. He made, he made Shaq to an extent. I know that you've been watching The Last Dance, and – Jordan dethroned a young Shaq and older Hornace Grant, and that Nick Anderson, former Illini, stripping the ball away from Jordan there at the end. Um, mm -hmm. You know, watching that, just still watching Jordan dominate that Orlando Magic team is was just something. I, I there's never going to be another player like Michael Jordan. No, one hundred percent. At least not in our lifetimes. But moving up to number nine, and speaking of Kobe, they have Kobe Bryant listed at number nine all time on the top seventy-four. 
the rest Number of the nine li- all time. Okay. The rest of the list is debatable, but there's a few that I, number nine. When I look at it, I think, okay, Kobe ninth best player in the league. Well, no, he's probably number two or number three. But then I look at the rest of the list, and I I agree with what they're saying. If it makes sense, yeah, you got to throw in the names that you know people forget about, like before us. Yeah, your Wilts and your Oscar Robinsons and your Bill Russells and you know all those people. I feel like. Number eight, Tim Duncan, which okay. he dominated the '90s and dethroned the 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 big three in Miami with Ray Allen and a young Kawhi was on the Spurs and man, Tim Duncan did a lot too and he kind of had that old modified version of the Kareem Skyhook uh, with the Duncan bank in there that just kind of threw it in there and it went. Yeah, absolutely. Like we talk about, that's another guy who. You know, didn't even play organized basketball till like we talked about, high school-ish age. And for him to make that top ten list, that's that's pretty cool stuff. Don't agree with this one. I think he Uh-oh. should be higher than this. Number seven, Larry Bird. I think he should be higher. You put Bird at seven, huh? Larry Bird was number one, right behind John Stockton, the best passer to ever play the game. He could score from anywhere, anytime. He had that killer mentality. And he took down the Lakers and the Pistons multiple times back in the 80s when those were two, the two, the three big teams in the, in the East and the Lakers in the West. Um, Bird at, at seven is borderline disgraceful to me. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to uh, disagree with you seeing how or hearing how adamant you are about it, I guess. I, I, it's hard for me to not be on board. I, I want to hear what they have to say for the rest of the list, and then I feel like I'm probably going to be just as angry about it, to be completely honest. Number six, Wilt Chamberlain. He averaged like 30 points a game, and he averaged 22 and a half rebounds, I believe. is somewhere. So I might be a little off, but it's somewhere on those lines. He also has the most points ever scored in a game. It's probably never going to be broke because I look today just to kind of reference that. Uh, Kobe, uh, on that 81-point game that he had, he was shot 46 times. He was 28 for 46, 7 from 13 from the three-point line, 18 of 20 from the free-throw line. So, if Kobe can't get it done, I don't see how anybody past is going to do it unless it's – I don't even know who, especially with load management. I agree. All right. So, now we get into two guys that uh, I think should be – a little higher. Um, number five is Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. I think he should be just higher because he's Magic. I mean, that's all the ex- he, that's all the think explanation. He should be like uh, number. You think he should be four? I'll, I'll explain it here in a second. Okay. Bill Russell's at four. Um, just to kind of give you my two cents. Bill Russell deserves to be in the top five. I feel. Um, he was one of the first actual big men with Wilt. So, and he was uh, responsible for a lot of Celtics championships as well. Moving up the list, number three, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That is a perfect – that's the best one I've agreed with besides number one. Um, Kareem, obviously the leader in points, but he was a reno- he renovated the game, and he helped Magic with a lot of championships, and he won a lot before Magic was there. Yeah, killer mentality, another guy that – just made, you know, a duo that much better. Like you say, talking about Magic Johnson playing alongside of Kareem. Like, that's a historic duo in itself. You got two top ten players on the same squad. That's crazy. Number two, you ready? Yeah, I guess, man. LeBron James. Oh, they got LeBron at number two, huh? And number one. I'm sure you can guess who that one is. Oh yeah, I don't even need to say it. <laughs> um, it's it, Mike's number one, Michael uh, Michael Jordan. Um, no, no, no questions there. But LeBron at two over Magic at five, and Larry Bird at seven. <laughs> what? I I know LeBron is arguably one of the most athletic, uh, athletically gifted, you know, individuals to ever play in the NBA. I understand that concept and that take. Right, but that alone does not put you at number two. Right, and he's like uh, fourth or fifth all time in points, and he got Kobe at nine. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't understand how. Yeah, I, I would like to know how they decided this, but I I don't know. I just everybody always I feel like comes after the argument of championships and finals records and. I mean, how can you gauge one of the best players in the world if you don't throw in how good he and his team were under pressure in the biggest time of the year? Exactly. Everyone's like, everyone's like, oh, well, the only argument for Michael Jordan and LeBron that you have is that he has more championships. That's the only argument I need. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what more <laughs> what that you, you need. Mean? Yeah, what do you mean? The dude won six finals. And he had, what, five MVPs? Finals yeah. MVPs or didn't six, yeah. six finals MVPs. Right. And what is, I mean, I can't even remember off the top of my head. What is LeBron's finals record? Like three and six? It's a losing record. Yeah. And he's, he's got three rings. Um, I think it's six. So out of nine times, he's got three. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from LeBron. He's a good player. I agree with you, but I don't think he's number two. I'm on board with that. Michael Jordan three-peated twice. <laughs> Yeah, and we're throwing a guy that was three and nine in the biggest series of his career. At and, number two. You know, at number two. Get out of here. All right, so my revised – I love stuff like this because then you get into cross generations, guys that are older than us, right, like our parents' age. And no offense, but you know what I mean? You got the bird stands, the magic stands. Then you get into us, right, the Kobe stands. And we missed Mike, I'm, uh, the, the, the best part of Michael Jordan. Um, mm-hmm. And then you got the Michael Jordan stands in the 90s, you know, the guys that are in their 30s. And I would go Michael Jordan, number one. Number two, I would put Magic. Number three, Kareem. Four, Larry Bird. Five, Bill Russell. That's my top five. Kobe, six. Yeah, you got – I'm with you. You got to throw Bill Russell in the top five. I mean, I can't remember. It's something crazy. I'll look it up here when I get done. Saying it. I think Bill Russell went like ten and one or something in yeah. his finals records. Eleven and one, ten and one, something like that. I don't know off the top of my head. I know he only lost one time. That's the only reason I remember that. Of That's, all the finals that dude went to, he lost one. <laughs> I'm glad ESPN released that because it gave some everybody something to debate about and argue on over on Twitter, which I don't yeah, so if NBA you get a, what? Six and oh finals record. Yep. Yeah, obviously his six and zero. Kobe five and two. Uh, what LeBron? I'm trying to see what it says here. Oh man, what's it say? So yeah, yeah, exactly. Three. He's won three times. That's it. Out of how many does this have his trips? Uh, let's see here. LeBron James. I can't, I want to say it's three and nine. I'll look it up for sure. I think, it's, cool. I think it's three and six. Three and six, that's right. Yep, three and six. <sighs> so Kobe's got five. Mike's, Michael Jordan's got six. Uh, yeah, LeBron's got three. Bill Russell, 11 and one finals record. I know Bird's got four. And yeah, he was on that Celtic. Well, they dominated the, the – I know they won in 84, 81, and maybe 80. Because I don't – Larry Bird, five-time, NBA final five times as a player. All well I, with the Boston Celtics. Larry Bird is hilarious. He's an awesome figure. <laughs> oh. The crazy thing is, is he like – you know, you watch him play and some of the stuff he did, it was immaculate. But you would never picture him to be in the same conversation as the uh, – you know what I'm saying? I, f- I just feel like he wasn't as flashy. He was at times, but he was just kind of the hard-nosed. He'd dive on the floor. He'd check. He'd play defense on the best player. I mean, he did everything. Shoot over the backboard and drain it. Yeah, and the other thing that always bugs me, and I hate to go back to LeBron, all these other guys we're talking about, MJ, Kobe, Kareem, Russell, all them guys, there was no, like, rest rotation. Like, they didn't play 10 games and then sit two because they were tired. I'm only going to correct you on one thing. It's called load management. There you you go, load management. (laughs) Whatever it is, it's it's bull crap. That's what it is. 
if yeah. you're the best player on the team, you need to be on the floor. If you can be on the floor, are you kidding me? I mean, you got LeBron and Kawhi doing that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like nobody. I loved Kawhi, and then he goes to L.A., and I'm like, dude, this is so disappointing. So disappointing. I wish he would have stayed in Toronto, to be honest. I do too. <laughs> they would have won. They'd have been the next Warrior or the next Golden State Warriors. There's no Load doubt in my management. mind. Load management. That makes me laugh. The, the NBA gave us something to debate about. And before we get into it here uh, too far, before Jay gets on, on another tangent, which we haven't had in forever. So we're glad we got him riled up. Uh, the return of live sports is Sunday, Jay. And I know we're not big NASCAR guys. We're starting to get into it. At least I am. I know you've watched it a little bit. Uh, but we got NASCAR Sunday. It's our first live sporting event since, what, March 16th. I'm about to be a NASCAR fan. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, how it's going to work is kind of interesting. Uh, there's no qualifying or practice. So the points will determine the running order. So where they were at when, when NASCAR stopped uh, that day will determine the order that they'll run to start the race. Um, I haven't even looked at that. I have no idea. Uh, so uh, and I'm not even going to begin to determine. Uh, and then this is the first time that drivers have been in cars in 96 days. So normally, right, you come in the off season, you go run around a track a few times, get get your get your legs back underneath you, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. And now they're hopping in, and here we go, men are men, I guess. Yeah. You haven't you haven't driven in in three months, but hey, we're gonna throw you out there over a hundred miles an hour for a few hundred miles. Have fun. Yeah, <laughs> you're only you're only going one eighty around that turn right there. That's what I'm saying. That I'm with you though. I'm I am. I'm gonna be honest. With it being the first sporting live sporting event, I'm gonna watch it. That uh, i racing. I heard a deal from ESPN Daily hosted by Mina Kimes. Um, if you can listen to that, it's about 20 minutes each morning. That's that's a good way to get your morning rolling. But that iRacing event that they have put they put putting on brought in over like six million viewers each day. They had it on ESPN. That's crazy. So maybe they'll they're attracting some new NASCAR fans, kind of revamp that uh, sport a little bit, get the millennial vote in there or millennial viewership in there a little bit. You would think. I mean, every uh, every person that I've talked to that is a big NASCAR fan that obviously enjoys the driving and car part of it with the millennial and, uh, you know, party generation we got going on here, you would think that a lot more people might be NASCAR fans because I've heard going to a NASCAR race is nothing but one big party. Yeah, I've heard that too. We need to go to one, I think, and check it out. <laughs> I think is what, what, what we're saying here. <laughs> It'd be funny. People are asking us about the race and we're like, eh, good to tell you. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right that's gonna we're gonna get into our interview portion now um we're gonna bring in uh austin berkland of the wsjk broadcasting and we're gonna talk with him a little bit sounds like a plan excited to hear from ab and joining us now pbl graduate former wpxn employees currently at uh, wsjk broadcasting in urbana also known as stevie j broadcasting the producer for the jeremy warner show you can is austin berkland mr berkland you can follow him on twitter at ab 1132 i guess i should have that all planned out before i said your name but once again austin berkland austin what's going on man not too much uh just trying to get through this quarantine watching some old sporting events and uh yeah taking it day by day waiting for the official announcement that hey, there's NBA, or hey, there's Major League Baseball, whatever is going to come first. At least we've had some NFL to digest a little bit. Yeah, uh, we've had a lot of NFL digest digest a little bit, and Illinois is kind of saving us a little bit, uh, giving us uh, all the award recipients uh, today. And that, that was nice to see Io get the accolades that, that Jay and I both think he kind of deserves. There's a lot of a lot of front runners, but, I mean, it's hard not to kind of pick Io in that, in that specific – or Dyke Edelman award. Um, Austin, that kind of leads me into the first question, though. You, you said it right there. You've been watching old sporting events. I know you're a Cubs fan. You got the marquee network? Yes, I do. I, I've been liking what the mystery game is. That's been fun to watch as opposed to, all right, here's game seven of the 2016 World Series, uh, 24 hours a day. Here we go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to say this just to get Jay all riled up here. Uh, we got two Cubs fans in, in one place. Jay, how does that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, I do feel outnumbered, but, you know, as I've said before, we talked about our 
top 10 sport moments, and I gave you guys your credit where it was due, all right? <laughs> I am with AB, though. I'm with AB. Can you only imagine what it's like for a Cardinal fan who lives up north to watch, you know, the Cubs game seven on Comcast or whatever, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If Cub fans are getting tired, I mean, I think I think about it. Yeah, no joke. Fox Sports 1, I was uh, watching them for a little bit during right when opening day was supposed to happen. And it was like Cubs Dodgers 2016, Cubs Nationals 2017, Cubs uh, um, World Series versus the Cleveland Indians. I'm like, my goodness, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know how it, every other Major League Baseball fan base thinks about this right now. Well-deserved, yeah. well-deserved, and uh, that's uh, another topic we, <laughs> we might have to break into, I guess, someday, is uh, that, that Cub team. I, I always kind of give Kale some crap about it, what, what you guys are going to do with Bryant and all that stuff, but I guess we'll have to leave that. We'll be here all night if we start talking about that stuff. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Budget area is uh, very, very annoying for Cubs fans, for sure. <laughs> Austin, let's get into it here. Um, obviously, let's let's start with some very simple questions. Jay and I know who you are. A lot of people, WPXN, around the Paxson area know who you are. But uh, let's just get to learn a little bit about you here. Um, first of all, where'd you come from? Where'd you graduate from? Obviously, I said PBL. I don't know why I said that. I had a baby, Kale. Good job. Um, anyway, yeah, where did you graduate from PBL? But uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I've been wanting to be in sports broadcasting since I was a wee little kid. And then all of a sudden, Claire Hyman, um, the owner of Hyman and Hyman's uh, daughter, she was in my class in 2012. And um, back in around eighth grade or freshman year of high school, she said, hey, there's a sports broadcaster camp and at Danville Area Community College. And I was like, really? That's the that's a camp that's that that exists. And so I signed up for it. My parents gave the registration fee. It was like a really small, like $50 kind of camp, day camp for a week. And that just really opened my eyes about everything that's in sports broadcasting. So a lot of people just immediately go to, oh, you want to be an ESPN Sports Center anchor or um, play-by-play or something like that. But the radio show element really just stuck out to me. And that was something that I really, really wanted to pursue later on in life. And then, of course, I graduated from PBL. and. Um, had that great PBL education. And after that, I went to SIU Carbondale where that really, really opened up my eyes about everything that can take place uh, in sports broadcasting with River Region, with WSIL um, in that very area as well. And then the PBS stations, whether that's the radio station or the television station, it just really, really expands your horizons and it makes you learn about right, what goes on with a camera, what goes on with a board. Uh, in terms of radio so that really really just helped me learn and grow and grasp that information absolutely and you know one thing that you you hit there I kind of want to get, get some more out of you on that um, I get that question a lot too because I'm majoring in media arts and production at Parkland um, you know right. I get I get asked all the time so you want to be a sports center anchor and I was like well you know I've always kind of been fascinated with radio and how radio operates day in and day out how that works and it, it, you know working at WPCD uh, there as a student intern just opened my eyes to how much how fun radio actually is and hosting a radio show or or producing one so kind of did you have the same feeling there when, when you were working at you know the radio stations around the school or the tv stations or kind of how did that work yeah yeah it just was like all right, so your first day at River Region is like, okay, um, you want to be an anchor? Well, you're going to have to learn to edit. You're going to have to learn how to um, do graphics. You're going to have to learn all of this basic information before you be an anchor because in an anchor position, you're going to have to learn all those aspects because if one goes down, you're going to have to learn how to adjust your broadcast to what the technical issue is that's facing, whether that's the graphics, whether that's editing, whether that's audio not being there. So you got to learn with the punches and you can't learn with the punches without going through that extra process. And that can really help you find what kind of job exactly you want in sports media. Absolutely. So then you move on, you get out of college, uh, you're looking for a job. Obviously you're working at WPXN here and there, kind of got your start. We talked to Jordan Anderson. It's a, it's amazing, Jay, how much a Jordan and Austin's paths kind of, you know, intersect there. They both started at the Danville Area Community College uh, Sports Broadcasting Camp. And you, so you go to that broadcasting camp and then you figure out what you want to do and all that good stuff. You end up at WPXN where you got your start. Just kind of talk a little bit about your start there. 
Yeah, so in WPX10, I worked there a little bit in high school, but I was involved in way too much to really keep that going. I was an FFA, show choir, jazz band, a lot of Saturday obligations. They have to wake up at 6.30 in the morning sometimes just to catch a bus for, and um, I just, uh, I, I learned a lot in my time there. I was board hopping a NASCAR racer, a couple of those, just to really get my feet as wet as possible in that area, so that was uh, wonderful to learn from. Um, and then, um, yeah, WPXN is just a great place to learn. Joel does an excellent job of grooming everyone that works for him in every aspect. I love small town radio because of the fact that you're doing a little bit of everything. So you could put all that on a resume and say to a bigger station, hey, you need a salesperson? I have a little bit of experience there. I you need an editor, I, I can edit uh, certain information, uh, certain audio. You need uh, someone on air, well, I've done news on air as well. So there's just, you do so everything at the radio station, that way so it helps you at your bigger market whenever you're doing one singular thing at that radio station. Absolutely. And then you go from WPXN, your time with, uh, or time there, where we're at now, I should say. And yeah, you move on from WPXN, you go to Stevie J Broadcasting uh, in Urbana. Just kind of how, explain to some of us that may not know how you ended up at uh, Stevie J Broadcasting. So a lot of people don't know that Jeremy Warner actually started at the Paxton Record. And right. I was a freshman in high school when he worked at the Paxton Record. And it was then the Paxton Record, now Ford County Record. And Jeremy, um, I got to know him a lot during while I was managing the basketball team then, and I just talked his arm off every single practice that he was there. And you could tell how good of a hard worker that he was because he was literally at every high school basketball practice for PBL, and that's saying something for a sports uh, news writer to do. And so I got to know him a lot, and then I was walking to the bus because I didn't have my driver's license when I was a senior in high school. I was walking to the bus, and then Cody Western, who's now at 670 to score, stops me one day while I was walking to the bus, and he's like, hey, do you want an internship this summer? There's a radio show called the Tay and Jay Show, if you're interested. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm in high school. What? The, the, an internship? Really? That's for, like, I always thought that was, like, for college, like, college seniors or college juniors. So I was like, absolutely, let's do it. And so I met with Jeremy once again at the Tay and Jay Show whenever it was on near Springfield Avenue in Champaign, and then I just started answering phones. I called guests and um, things like that started at the smallest way possible. And then all of a sudden I started producing the Tay and Jay show a little bit more and a little bit more and then a little bit more. And then um, when Jeremy wanted to adjust his home life and to have a morning show and not uh, drive home to Piatone area at 7 p.m. at night, he was like, I need to do a morning show and I want you to be my producer. And I was like, whoa like producing a brand new sports radio show that's going to be daunting but uh, I love doing it every day and it's just something you learn you learn something new every single day doing it because he is doing it from a home studio and I'm doing it from the Urbana studio and to have that uh, distance between you and still sound like you're in the same room it's it's very challenging yet also rewarding because the best compliment I get is wait you guys aren't in the same room like that is uh very very cool to hear because then it's like you're doing your job really really well as a producer when you don't get that weird like dead air or that weird delay yeah absolutely and you know that's something that it, yeah I, that occurred I've been listening to ESPN here in town for for a long time and you know listening to you two in the morning is is one of the reasons one of the ways I start my morning every morning uh figure out what's going on and and uh you know just get all of our Illini information and the way that you guys put that show together each morning and you would have absolutely no idea that you he's on what 150 miles away so right it's amazing work that you do and, and, you know, that you guys both can figure out how to accomplish that. Plus your guests that you get every morning. It's just awesome to listen to you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Guests are really what drive our show. Like I love our opening segment called the opening drive whenever there is actual sports going on. Now it's more like, right, we'll hit a couple topics. So we don't have to have a set segment for it, but um, yeah, the opening drive is great, but guests really drive our show. And like a lot of people are like, wait, you don't get that buzz like on air. I'm like, no, the buzz I get in terms of like getting excited is whenever I book a big time guest. Like that's always what drives the excitement level for me is like 
challenging myself to get the best guest possible at the right time possible. Because that's something that producers not only always get at a young age is that they just want to get the biggest name, but you got to get the biggest name that fits the stories that you want to tell that particular episode. Once again, Austin Berkland, our guest here at WSJK Broadcasting in Urbana. You can follow him on Twitter at AB1132. Next question I got for you here is, is you know, kind of go along those lines. Obviously, you produce the show every day from 9 to 11. So you get there before the show starts, I'm assuming, you know, maybe an hour or so in advance. What does a day for Austin Berkland look like? Yeah, so I get in there at 8 a.m., um, and then I do an hour of pre-production, whether that's getting audio from an Illinois-Iowa game or getting highlights and creating an intro package. Um, right now, that's something I miss because there's not really much of an intro you can make on a show-to-show basis because it's like, oh, the 1990s Bulls are on. Like, nothing you can really make an intro for, but I create intro packages. I um, – I, cut up some audio, whether that's Io DeSumo's uh, press conference today or um, certain elements like that. And then I'll get like the ESPN national audio that we always have, like whether that's Jeff Passan, Adam Schefter, Adrian Wojnarowski, anything like that. I'll, I'll uh, get that audio from that website and, um, and then I'll put it into our audio vault server. And after that, I'm uh, ready, ready for the show and um, getting, uh, some notes done for like my own research whenever Jeremy brings me into the conversation and um, things of that nature. <laughs> it sounds like a, I mean, it's, it's a wild day. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into producing a show five days a week. Uh, not a lot of people know that, you know, how much stress and, you know, high energy that you have to be uh, every, a day in and day out and all of that for two hours. You got to be constantly moving and constantly on your toes because who knows what can go wrong. Exactly. And then that brings me into we start the show and um, about five minutes before there's a red light in the studio that showcases that whether Jeremy's on air or not, um, not on air per se, but if he's connected, um, with internet, um, and brought back to the station, his, uh, own audio. And if that light's not on, then I'm panicking for that five minutes. And then, but if it's, uh, if it's on, then we're ready to go and we're ready to roll and ready to hit that open music. And then the next two hours goes by at a snap. Like there's not a show that goes by that you're like, wow, this show's taking really long. It's always like, wait, we had like five more minutes of content we could have had in this show. And then it's 9.58, uh, 10.58, pardon me. And you're like, oh no, the show's already done. So that's the best part about their show as well is just how fast it seems whenever you're in the moment. Absolutely. So let's move into that. Austin, you know, I love hearing about how you got your start. Um, and, you know, like I said, I like listening to you guys every morning because the great information, once again, you can catch him. It's uh, weekdays, Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 on ESPN 93.5, right? Yeah, that's correct. So you guys are streaming now on TuneIn, I believe, so we can listen to you on our phones as well. Yeah, yeah, this is really inside baseball, but we didn't really want to have our own app anymore since it was, since there's so many different radio apps you can get. And so we were like, let's just go with what's the best and tune in. So we had to make sure that we were on tune in. And once we realized that, then um, we're all set um, because there's really no use in having an extra app on your phone because that just takes up space on people's cell phones and, and things like that. And so tune in is the perfect thing for us because a lot of people already have it and it has houses a lot of radio stations around the world. Absolutely. So let's get into this baseball conversation. Jay, I know you've been itching at this too. Um, so the MLB, for those of you that don't know, Jay and I kind of hinted at it there in the first segment. Uh, the MLB hopes to return to action, hopefully around July 4th. That's everything I've been seeing. Um, the, the schedule would consist of 82 games. All games will be played at home ballparks. Uh, the, there's one thing in there I personally hate. I know all three of us might not like it. Uh, postseason will be expanded to 10, from 10 teams to 14. Roster size will go up from 26 to 30. The NL would have a DH. That's what I don't personally care for too much about it. But just when you hear that, those are kind of the basic plans, the basic outline of the main points. When you, when you hear that or see that, Austin, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Baseball has a chance to be back. Like I, <laughs> I can, I can be, I can be really angry about the little details, whether that's the universal DH or or things like that. There were different rule changes throughout the game, but the fact that baseball would be played and it'd be people that we know, we'd be able to watch Mike Trout go up against Jose Altuve, or go watch our favorite rivalry, the Cubs versus the Cardinals. The fact that that'd be able to take place uh, 
just makes me so happy because this Korean baseball is not really um, wet in the beak too much because, again, it's on at 1 in the morning or 4.30 in the morning. You can't really uh, <laughs> plan your day around too much. So, yeah, I, I'm just excited that baseball has a potential to be back, and that just makes me really happy. Jay, so I don't know if you've heard about it or seen it or not, but what do you feel of the outline so far? Yeah, I'm with Austin. Like he says, just the chance of being able to watch for me, you know, my favorite sport and the game that I love and grew up with and still play a little bit to this day. It's it's definitely exciting. Obviously, I'm, I'm on board with being a little angry about some of the things they're going to throw in along with it. I'm more so not as angry at a universal DH as more so a 14-team playoff format that possibly involves the two best teams in each league being able to pick an opponent. I just – I don't know. I'm old-fashioned. I, I don't think you should fix something that isn't broken. So, I mean, I feel like that is more my main gripe is, is the expansion of this whole playoff. And I'm eager to see how that's going to work if it, if it does fall through. So. Austin, uh, we're both Cubs fans. Um, what's the state of the Cubs? We we're talking a little bit there. Jay kind of highlighted uh, Chris Bryant. I personally just want the fiasco to be over with, whether he's staying, whether he's going to sign or going to walk. I don't care what it is at this point. Uh, I would just like to know. And I, I like Chris Bryant. I think he's pretty streaky. Obviously, he's an MVP and an NL Rookie of the Year. But just what are your thoughts and opinions on the whole Chris Bryant situation? Yeah, we actually talked about this on the show a little bit where um, Buster only was on ESPN and he was talking about how the Ricketts are really, really hurting for money right now because they put up essentially like Disney World of Chicago Cubs around Wrigley um, <laughs> where there's all sorts of bars, restaurants, hotels, and that requires people to be at those places. And if fans aren't allowed at the stadiums, then I'm not sure that there's going to be a lot of uh, motivation for Ricketts to be like, hey, Chris, we want to keep you around. And that's where I think that Chris Bryant will be dealt by the end of this all because I, I don't see Ricketts wanting to really pay that contract right now, even as, sh as short-term as it is. And I don't think he believes that Theo Epstein will be able to re-sign him anyway. So I think he'll really push for Theo Epstein to find the best return possible once rosters unfreeze, whenever that possibly is. And and trade Chris Bryan as as hard as hard as that's going to be for Cubs fans, getting excited for a Cubs for a Cubs baseball season, no matter how short it is, it might be without Chris Bryant right away. Who would you kind of like to see replace him? Like, who would you like to see the Cubs go after? I like I I'm kind of in favor of Nolan Arenado. You got a straight up, uh, you know, just basically that's a perfect trade in my opinion. Um, obviously Chris probably doesn't want to go to Colorado, but um, you know that that seems like one of the best case scenarios for the Cubs. Yeah, it depends on what the financial situation looks like, but if it is okay after this season, if this is truly just a short term thing that they're just worried about, maybe you go out and sign Mookie uh, Mookie Betts. Yeah. Um, in the offseason and replace Chris Bryant with him if if that's possible. But I don't see that as the possibility. I think it's going to be more of a guy who's in AAA right now that's a younger man's version of Chris Bryant or uh, someone who has a lot of Chris Bryant tools. But I don't think you'll see a, uh, the Cubs essentially replace um, a superstar with a superstar in the short term. You're going to have to wait a little bit for that return for the long – like for some pitchers with some long-term control and a, uh, another triple-A bat that could play third base. Right, absolutely. And, you know, that's a, that's a route I didn't even really – or an avenue I didn't even really think about going down when Jay and I were talking about that. You know, kind of another big question I got for you here is, obviously Joe Madden and, and the Chicago Cubs decided to part ways. That's something that I didn't particularly care for. He had one down year, and, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of other stuff that played into it. I understand why they parted ways. You know, I'm not going to sit here down and explain it all again. But, um, you know, they hired David Ross. Do you think that that's a decent move, a good move, a great move, a bad move, just or something that maybe Theo's kind of trained with David Ross? You know, he's had him in his back pocket this whole time. Just how do you kind of see that maneuver? I think it's a neutral to a little bit of a positive move because the way managers are going in baseball, it's not like the big time personalities like a Tony La Russa or a Joe Madden or anything like that. It's guys that are like, all right, here's how we want you to manage game in and game out. We're going to spit a lineup to you using our computers and 
you deal with that lineup and you explain why that lineup is to the players and explain why you're doing certain skill sets or why you're doing certain drills um, because that's what the computers say we need to do. That's what the major mathematicians in baseball say that you need to do to improve as a player. So I think it's just that kind of um, manager now. It's just a guy that's going to be the voice of the front office in the clubhouse day in and day out. Absolutely. Then you got the top three favorites in the NL Central. You got the Cardinals, the Cubs, and the Brewers. If you had to pick an order, if the, if they were to be the old ways and not like the shift that they're talking about with the uh, the kind of more of the central or the located divisions, uh, throwing in the AL with the NL teams in there, how would you uh, kind of predict the 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 standings in the NL Central to wind up? I would say it would be Cardinals, Cubs, and then Brewers. I love Christian Yelich as a player, but I feel like that pitching staff has some major deficiencies that won't be able to really break through into the top two. But Craig Council is a great manager, so he's going to be a magician and, and sneak them into first place in the Yale Central. It wouldn't surprise me. The Cubs, I just feel like they don't have the depth. If they get one major injury this year, then I don't think they can respond back. And the Cubs have had good luck with injuries in 2016 and 2015. It feels like that trend has kind of been going back to level. And I feel like that's why there's going to be some more injuries this year, but the Cardinals, I feel like their depth in the pitching staff is, is so deep that they can afford an injury and and not lose too much of their, uh, of their overall ceiling as a club. And you look at their offensive talent. I feel like Paul Goldschmidt just had a down year last year. He'll make up for it this year. And I think, uh, the guys they could bring up, like a Dylan Carlson, could have a major, major impact in the second half of the season, um, no matter how short it is, like the last 30 to 40 games or so. Jay, that's got to make you feel pretty good, doesn't it? That's coming from a Cubs yeah, fan. That's <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I kind of have a question for both of you guys. Like, we talk about this universal DH going throughout the league. I feel like that kind of plays a little bit into Austin talking about the injury bug, possibly coming back to Chicago after – some really, really successful years and healthy years at that. Obviously, we see a guy like Wilson Contreras miss some time last year. Does a universal DH, in my opinion, favor a team like Chicago so a guy like that doesn't have as much of a workload behind the dish but still gets to swing it? I guess that's my question to you guys. Jay, you're bringing up something that I have not really thought of too much. Like, yes, you could have Caratini as your other catcher, and – and then have Wilson be your DH, which I think would be an awesome uh, adjustment for the Cubs because you look at who else they could have as DH, whether that's Sousa Jr. or yep. Jason Kipnis, and, and I, don't, right. I don't want to deal with that. So I think that would be a really, really good move. But you look at a team like the Cardinals, though, I feel like they have a lot of bench depth to help them if that DH were to come in such a short period of time. That's kind of yeah. the – my fault, Jay. Go ahead. No, no, you're right. I was just agreeing. Yeah, I was just – yeah. That's kind of the Cardinals' mo, though, right? Is is depth? You know, mm-hmm. it seems like they always find that Tyler O'Neill or or whoever it may be, right, down in the in the in their system. It seems like they have just have more depth than any other team in the in the MLB. Yeah, I mean, depth is obviously. I mean, you guys know, it's just kind of been something that we really try to embody as an organization. I feel like the only superstar big time face we had for my lifetime, you know, was an Albert Pujols. And then a guy like Yadier Molina kind of blossomed into something. And we have a guy like Jason Hayward, who at the time was a superstar type player. And, you know, he goes to Chicago and things like that. And we just have certain guys pop up out of nowhere. Your Tommy Edmonds, your Tyler O'Neill. I don't know what it is. And I really can't explain it, honestly, but it, it just seems like in St. Louis, the development factor is something that's definitely rides in the front seat, if not drives the the organization, which, you know, Kale, you and I have talked about. It gets me a little angry when we got a guy like Moseliak who's got some dough that he could probably spend and, and doesn't. You know, it goes back to that Twitter joke I told you about. It's all these teams making moves in the offseason. Yankees getting Garrett Cole, Nationals re-signing guys, and, and the Cardinals are spending – money on gold gyms memberships for their players the one thing that i do love (laughs) the one thing that i do love about the cardinals is the way they drafted and that's that's what irks me as a cubs fan sometimes is that 
the Cubs haven't drafted that well once they've been winning. Um, the Cardinals, they're in the 15 to 30 spot in the draft every single year, yet they find these unbelievable talents in that first round. And that's where I'm glad the Cubs stole from the Cardinals and hired Dan Contravowitz uh, to be their scouting director. I think that's a huge underrated move that no one is talking about because I think their drafting is going to be much better. I think they'll be able to get more out of their pitching staff. And I believe they're going to go to a more modern way of, of developing pitching and finding pitching, not like the Kyle Hendricks of the world. You're not going to find everybody that slow pitches like Kyle Hendricks. You need some fireballers. You need some guys that get, get bats to miss balls. Like I, I, the Cubs haven't had that. Now they finally are going in that direction, which is very, very positive for the Cubs. It seems that Theo Epstein is, if he's bad at something, it would, to me, be bad at developing pitching. I mean, that's just something yeah. I think has been his MO ever since he's been a GM. Yeah, exactly, because he drafts so much uh, hitting because it's a, it's a sweet spot. He knows that he's going to get at least a major leaguer. I know we can talk crap about Albert Amore and Ian Happ uh, all we want, but they made it halfway through the process of at least making it to the major leagues. How many Cubs players drafted have been like, oh, never made it to the majors, oh, never made it to the majors. So at least Theo's getting guys that have made it to the majors. It's just pitching-wise, that's not been the case. Uh, it, they've got guys that have like a few starts in there, but not anything sustainable at all. Absolutely. Once yeah, again, like you said, that was a – that was a hard – sorry to cut you off, Keeley. That, that was a hard thing for me as a Cardinal fan to see go. Like, obviously, your, your guys you see on the field and, and on TV every day and they get interviewed, you're good players. You hate to see them leave town. But for baseball fanatics like ourselves, when, when the Cubs stole that acquisition, you know, to be their head scout, it was – I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep for like two days. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's the everything guy, that Jack I've Flaherty. known as a Cardinal. Yeah, I'm with you. Jack Flaherty, that was my main, main example. I'm like, you find a 23-year-old kid that pitches like he's in his prime of, you know, the major league specifies it's 27 to 31. Looks like he's been around for years. And and to hear about the guy that picked him up going across the state up north, I'm like, oh, no, here <laughs> we go. Once again, uh, Austin Berkland, you can follow him on Twitter at AB1132. Austin, um, we're running out of time on our Zoom meeting here, but uh, I appreciate you coming on and, and uh, you know, being our guest for today and talking a little bit about your life and helping us dissect the Cubs. No problem. It was a really, really fun uh, opportunity and can't wait to join you guys again. Absolutely. We'll absolutely have you back on, especially hopefully when this, uh, this you know, MLB season maybe gets closer to kicking off. And after it starts, have you break down some NL Central baseball with us. Uh, once again, you can follow Austin Berkland on Twitter at AB1132. You can follow me on Twitter at KaleFleming10, J at JTS11. And you can follow the station on 1049 WPXM. And as always, don't forget to leave a like, a comment, a review, uh, and subscribe. And Jay, I'll talk to you next week, man. Back to playing. Always good to hear from you, Austin. Have a good one, Jay. Have a good one, Kale. Yep. See you guys later.